Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. It's it's going to be a really exciting show, as as they all are when we have Mary Joyce on with us. Uh, my thanks first to uh, Ken Quiethawk for his intro. Please check him out on the Internet. He's a native storyteller. And if you've not ever experienced the native storytelling process, um, it's a, it's 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 an amazing way of keeping track of history and cosmology, and it's a great way to pass information from generation to generation to generation. Um, certainly better than the written word, and it certainly it, it came about before the written word. So it's something everybody should be aware of at the very, very least. Mary is, is with me again today, and I am so excited that she is doing a show with us once a month. She is the editor of one of the most amazing websites out there. She's the editor of Skyships Over Cashiers, and it's a fabulous website. She has done it for a long time, and, and on the website are decades of archives that you can check into and see all of the material that she has been fascinated by, done research by, and put up on her website. I love the fact that she is a true... Um, a true reporter in that she checks things out before she puts them up on her website so that you can be very sure that even though some of it may seem very strange, she has made sure that it is as accurate as she can possibly absolutely make it. And um, she finds topics that are so eclectic that, that you know, from UFO, literally from UFOs to unicorns and everything in between, and and she her fascination for all sorts of different topics is very evident when you look at the website. It's it's a joy to read, and as are the four books that she has also published. So please check them out on Amazon and check out her website. But but wait until the end of the show, please, because as as fascinating as the website is, she is even more so. So welcome to the show, Mary. Hi, it's always good to talk to you. How you doing? Oh, I love talking to you. I've been doing great. And your suggestion for going into the little people um, for today's show topic was a really great one. And, you know, when when people say little people, everybody thinks of midgets and dwarves, and that's not what you're talking about. So let's, let's get it right out here on the table exactly what the little people are that you're talking about. Well, you and I have talked before, and I'm sure that your uh, listeners can find it in the archives. Uh, we've talked about my book called Cherokee Little People Were Real. And this time I'm going to tell you that if I had known as much now then as I do now, the book title would have been slightly different because it was in the past tense, Cherokee uh-huh. Little People Were Real. Because I came out with this book, uh, people realized that I was taking the subject seriously and I've been able to connect with people um, and their their stories and their witness accounts and sometimes even evidence 
uh, of little people living today. So I thought it would be kind of nice to focus on that. And if anybody wants to find out about the original book, again, it's um, Cherokee Little People Were Real, and I know you have a show in your archives about it, so they could look for it there. So I thought I'd just start out with one of the fun little stories that uh, I got from a, a woman when I talked to her. She was 29 at the time, very shy Cherokee woman. She never would have talked to me if we hadn't had a mutual friend. And that mutual friend testified that I, you know, was above board and honest and all that, so she... Um, decided she would talk to me, and her she told me several stories, and one of them I thought was especially cute. Um, her family uh, keeps a trailer up in a remote part of the reservation, and they use that when they have uh, family picnics and get-togethers, and they use the trailer to cook in and to also uh, use it for the restroom. Well, at the time when this uh, woman was a young girl, they were out. The kids were out there playing hide and go seek, and she decided on one occasion that she would go hide in the shower of the trailer. So she goes in there. She pulls back the curtain, and there's a. And I'll say this in her words: He looked like a man, a tiny man. He was toddler size. He was wearing jeans and had dark hair that was straight cut like Mowgli from the Jungle Book. And so he just jumped out and gave her a great big grin. Um, scared it, her to death. She went ran, running to her daddy. But I thought that that was a, an experience that was emblazoned in her memory. And I thought the description of the little man looking like Mowgli from the Jungle Book is something that many people can relate to. Uh-huh. And that well, wasn't her only two. story. Oh, my. Um, yeah, she ga- actually gave me three. And um, she has a, an aunt and uncle that live in Snowbird, North Carolina. This this is even more remote than the reservation, which really isn't remote anymore. And there are more full-blood uh, Cherokee living in Snowbird than there are on the reservation, if, if it gives you an idea of how different it is. So wow. she was going to visit her aunt and uncle down there. And um, the her uncle, I don't know how he got up to this point, but he said um, he just put flour all over, I think it was the kitchen floor. And he said, just wait until morning. And so the next morning, there were, now this is quoting her again, the next morning there were little footprints all over the floor. Um, so anyhow, uh, that was to show um, her that uh, there really were little people, and uh, uh, I thought that was a great story. And then she told me a third one. And um, it was, you know, her mother, which would have been, a, you know, another previous generation, and uh-huh. the mother had told her, and again, I'll quote it, she and her little cousins had a trail around where they lived. They would follow it up deep into the mountains to play. Once they saw six little people in a circle. She said in all her life she only saw one girl. The rest had just been boys. So those were the three stories I got out of uh, uh, this wonderful connection that was made because we just happened to know um, a mutual friend. Wow. Well, I think one of the things that that has intrigued me about the little people, and most people, when you say little people, they're talking about midgets and and dwarfs. And these are smaller than the midgets and dwarfs that we see in circuses and and, and around. Yeah, people um, get it confused. They sometimes think that they're fairy-sized. They're not that either. They're typically like... Um, three feet or just under three feet tall, and they're uh-huh. perfectly proportioned, so they're definitely not dwarfs. Yeah, and that's that's what you know. It, I have I have I have felt the presence of little people. I have never seen them, but I know they're there, and and I do believe that they they still are in existence today, and people. People, when they see them, do think they're seeing fairies, elves, and gnomes and stuff like that. But but they're actually, they're out there. And I think it's really important that people be aware that, that, you know, things that have been, you know, kind of shoved aside into myth and fable um, have a real relevance in the fact that they did exist. And and, um, like like when when we spoke last, um, the little people were all over 
uh, the state of Tennessee, there there have been huge graveyards that have um, been, been dug up by farmers that that are these small skeletons that that are little people, and and apparently, according to archaeologists and stuff like that, they existed at the same time the giants did, which would take them way back in history, but. But they, just as giants still exist today genetically, so do the little people still exist today. And, and it does feel as though they do stay out of the, uh, the flow of, of society as best they can because I would imagine they just don't want to be looked at as um, a circus performer. They, they have their own reality, their own society, and and they do, as far as I can tell, they do exist mostly in, in places where where there are forests. Um, at least that's that's what I have observed. I don't know what, what you've observed. Well, uh, of course, the mountains are covered with, uh, you know, forest, but uh, yeah. there's many stories where they find them in caves, uh, li- like living in caves, uh, and there's stories of them, you know, going underground to live, um, I was thinking about what you said about uh, the history of Tennessee, which is adjacent to North Carolina. And there's a man, uh, John Haywood, and, and he's known as, quote, the father of Tennessee history. And he said that um, the graves that were found in Tennessee were only about two feet in length and 14 inches broad and 16 inches deep. And uh, yeah. they found they found all sorts of, of uh, uh, you know, of these kind of graves. Um, I suspect that most of the little people were more than two feet tall, but when somebody dies, they, they kind of sometimes bunch up the bones. Um, uh-huh. This particular um, father of Tennessee history said that they were typically two feet to, uh, I mean, yeah, two feet to three feet tall. And that's what I pretty much have consistently uh, had reports on, and they are oftentimes just uh, described as being the size of a toddler. Yeah, and but but the ones that the well, of course, the skeletons that I've heard of. Well, now that's silly. I, I was going to say the skeletons I've heard of were very slender, but but then of course any skeleton is very slender. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I laughed. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Um, but 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 they are are. Um, Flight of build, I guess, is the best way to put it, at least as far as, as what, what I have observed and what I have heard as far as myths and, and tales. And it, it does feel as though, you know, it's sort of like Bigfoot. There are, there are um, of course, with Bigfoot, there aren't the sightings in the same way because the, the Cherokee little people that, that you write of, um, they, they, they were discovered or, or their abodes were discovered uh, on a college campus when they were when doing reconstruction. Right, and I do write about that in, in the book, uh, Cherokee Little uh-huh. People Were Real. And uh, probably the most memorable image from the skeleton stories is that one of the professors kept, kept a small skull on his desk as a conversation piece, and he always oh. said it was from the Indian Mound, and he said it was a child skull. And then a uh, high school English teacher uh, picked it up and looked at it closely and said, "This is not a child's skull. It has all its wisdom teeth." And as most people know, you have to be eighteen, twenty, twenty-one to be having uh, wisdom teeth. Uh huh. So. Where, you know, I I do feel that they are still out there. And Listen, why would we they? We have Bigfoot in this area. We have Bigfoot. They are huge. We see evidence uh-huh. of them, and every once in a while, people will actually, you know, see one. Uh, uh-huh. Those creatures are are huge. So, if something like that can remain out of sight almost all the time, then it would be no small challenge for little people to stay out of view. In well, comparison, it, well, of course not. And from from you know what what you've said and what indian stories have related is that they they lived a lot of them lived underground or in caves Correct. so that so that they were um you know kind of uh, camouflaged their existence to a certain 
to a certain point. And certainly, you know, if they're living on the fringes of society, they're, they're investigating. And, you know, it reminds me of, um, as a child, I read uh, a series of books called The Borrowers. And are you familiar with that series? I am. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, am, they weren't yes. that small. They, but but they 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 were tiny people and and you kind of you know you you wonder is there a connection between them and the little people we see today that that are um, midgets and and dwarfs I mean are there is there a connection or are they just very different segments of different species I guess. I mean, well, they're definitely they their be... own genetic uh, line, for sure. But the most, I'll, I'll jump in again with the Cherokee stories. Uh, the most recent one I've gotten from somebody was uh, at, the, um, uh, at the very end of May, and I was contacted by a Cherokee man who, uh, you know, is about 70 years old, and he related a story when he was a young man that they went hunting, uh, bear hunting, and... Uh-huh. Um, there was a terrible storm that came up, so they took cover for the night. Uh, they found a small cave, and they waited out the storm. Well, he was sound asleep, and I actually can quote him on this. During the night, my friend Kenny woke me and told me not to say a word because there were little people outside the cave. We lay there quietly in the dark listening. They spoke in old Cherokee. Today's Cherokee speaks slang, so Kenny nor I could understand what they said, only a word or two. Uh, um, the little people were there all night. The next morning outside the cave, there were little footprints about the size of a five- or six-year-old. So that's the most recent story from a Cherokee person, you know, that I've been told since the book came out. And uh, if it hadn't been damp, they probably wouldn't even see the footprints because, you know, little people don't weigh much, and they're not going to press down and leave heavy footprints like a Bigfoot would do. So the fact that the ground was wet... Uh, made it uh, possible for them to see the footprints. In in I know that there are stories uh, the Ojibwe. Um, they have stories of little people, almost almost. You know, I'm I'm saying almost because I can't tell you if it was exactly every Native American tribe has stories of them, but a great many of them do speak of the little people. And, um, and it was I found this. Would, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. No, that's okay. Go ahead. No, you just inspired me to tell you a story. It's not about a Cherokee little person, but uh, when I was out uh, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, which is Sioux country, uh, again I got to meet a, a, another young woman, and I think she was probably about the same age. And her uh, father, uh, grandfather had been a medicine man or a shaman, and her older brother was. And she clearly had abilities, but though she had no title or anything to go with it. And she told me a kind of an you know interesting story. Um, again, I've got the stuff in front of me, so I can give you their words. She said, when I was like 14 or 15, we were fishing way out in the country with my grandmother. We put her on a bank sitting on her chair fishing. Then we went further down the river so we wouldn't disturb her. We were swimming and playing around in the water, and the next thing you know, we hear splashing in the water. So we look over and saw something go in the water. So we went swimming back to my grandmother. She told us in our language not to go too far, to stay at a distance so she could see us. So we stopped and started to go back, and we heard something like stuff being thrown in the river. We turned around, and my grandmother had caught a fish, and it was trying to break the line, and it was going down the river. She told us to go catch it. So we caught the big catfish, and we took it back up to her, and that's when we noticed little bitty footprints in the mud going up the bank. They were two or three inches long and looked like human footprints. Yeah. So that's a different wow. tribe uh, in a different part of the country, um, you know, with the same kind of story with the little people. And she added another one, um, uh, her uh, brother-in-law and his buddies were on the same creek or, and uh, at another time, and they found a little cave in one of the banks of the creek or the river, and they went inside and they found little drums and bows and arrows and a, a, a quiver or an arrow case, 
and they they took them and they went to show their grandfather and um the grandfather told them to you know take it back and to leave their stuff alone um after that they had a little bit of trouble with the uh, uh, little people they found their pigs and chickens dead and that sounds really terrible but you think about the size of the people and they want to make sure the big people don't mess with them and their stuff you can almost understand why they might have chosen to do that absolutely and and in in all actuality if they did make themselves known um they would lose their freedom so that probably so that, probably you know Oh, we'd create preserves for them, and then there would be tours, and then they would be like in a zoo. Um, you know, the great wisdom for them not making themselves known. Um, when when I lived in in Westchester, um, and I and I lived there for in, in New York, um, I lived there for about fifty years, and in the town next to or, or very close to. Um, that I lived in uh, in Nourishelle. Nourishelle was the, there was a a road, and on that road were four houses that were built for little people, specifically for little people. And you'd, mm-hmm. you'd be driving down the road, and you'd see the big house, the big house, the big house, the big house, and then suddenly the houses were shrunk in stature. Everything was to proportion, but for somebody who was only about three feet tall. And there were there were three or four houses there, and it 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 was kind of fun every now and then when somebody came to visit. You know, we would say, "You want to see something really neat?" And and these houses um, were lived in. Um, we never saw anybody coming or going. You know, I guess if you sat outside and waited long enough, you might. But they were everything was was shorter. The doors were shorter. The, the windows were shorter. Everything was was proportionately shrunk down to size. So that someone, you know, the doors were only about three feet tall. So, and I don't, and and all we knew was they were for little people. And to this day, I can't tell you if they were midgets or if they were little people or if they were, um, you know, I I I can't tell you. All I know is that 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 there were three or four houses there that someone had the money to to build and. Um, you know, and they were lived in. So, hmm. and and certainly, you know, I couldn't have lived in one of them, and I'm short. So, you know, it, it there there are there are things in society today that are subtly just there, and you don't know an explanation for it. You don't know who built them, but but they're there and they're lived in by obviously little people. So, I mean, this was an area where houses were expensive. So, you know, nobody would just, you know, build three or four of them for kicks and leave them sitting empty there. So I, I do believe that, that now I don't know if they were people that worked for a circus and therefore that's where they retired or something like that. have no idea. And, and I lived hmm. there for 50 years. You know, you'd think I would have had, you know, now I think. why the now, you would, now you would have gotten to the bottom bottom of it. Now you would know. Oh, I would have gone up and rang the doorbell. You know, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. You know, how come those things happen to us? I wonder. You know, when you see something that you know is so profound, and you just think it's cool, and you move on, and you don't pay attention to it, and then, then you realize that there might be something quite profound connected to it. Right. Well, you've, you've triggered a memory of something I wrote about in the book Cherokee Little People Were Real. Uh, and I've never talked about it on the radio before or any kind of program before, but uh, there was a, a little person, and he was known as, I think they even had his last name, Toby Bryson and his family. They were little people. They had a little house. Everything was in, you know, small proportion like you're talking about. And the uh, head of the household, Toby, uh, actually worked for somebody, and he drove um, a truck, I believe, but he had to drive it standing, and he would look out, uh, be in the space, you know, within the steering wheel. Uh, so that gives you an idea of the size. Wow. You know, it just you you triggered another memory. Um, I'm wondering, Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb. Um, I I don't know if he was a midget. Oh, Tom Thumb. 
Tom Thumb, and he was with the and he was with the circus, and he may have been one of those. There is a community, and I've never been to it, but there's supposed to be a community in Florida where um, um, midgets live, and many of them, you know, were, uh, you know, originally in the circuses. Yeah, he was. I need to. I'm I'm looking. He worked for, he worked with P.T. Barnum, and um, I was I'm looking to see how tall he was because he was he was small. Ah, he grew to two feet three inches in height. Oh, that's really small. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he wow, wor- wow. worked with Barnum. Um, he died of a stroke when he was 46 years old, but. Um, hmm. And and he married another midget who was, I think I think he was a midget, you know at least at least you know. He that's was a midget. He wasn't. He he was a midget. So would this I guess be considered? Could have been a little person. Who knows? Yeah. Um. But but it was uh, he made a fortune, and and. Uh, my gosh, he toured with Barnum for you know a, a tremendous a, a, a long he a lot, mm-hmm. um, but he was a bio. His parents were normal size. Hmm. But but yep. you know you're talking you know if somebody wants to take a look at what a real little person looks like, that's that's Tom Thumb, uh, right. General Tom Thumb. But but you know you you. They've got to be out there today, and and you do wonder. I mean, on TV now they have they have radio shows that you know Little People Big World, and then there are uh, there's another show that that deals with a whole bunch of um, women midgets or dwarfs. I think it's midget and dwarfism. They're kind of they mix the two together, yet they are different. Um, but Tom Thumb did. Did uh, marry Lavinia Warren, and she herself was also a very little person. But but you know when you talk about these these little people have merged with society and have lived normal well as normal as they can lives, and yet the little people that you write about in your book of with the Cherokee, they're, they're very different. They're um, they they shun society, and um, talk for just a minute about the, the 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 dwellings that they discovered at the university when they were digging because it's fascinating. Hmm. Um, Western Carolina University is like nestled in the mountains of Western North Carolina, and uh, when I did the book, it it was based it was inspired by meeting the men who had been involved in construction on that campus and it began to seem like any time they cut into what was supposed to be virgin land they would find these little tunnels and the tunnels are uh, typically let's say two two and a half feet uh, wide and three and a half feet tall square cut with a rounded uh, arch top to to make it more uh, you know give it more strength and those were found uh, all over the campus. I assume that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, oh. that that I I would say that today they do exist. Um, well, I'll tell you what, and you might find this interesting. Um, I started investigating the little people in North Carolina in 2000, which is now 21 years ago. And uh-huh. um, it wasn't until August 15th of 2017 that we got of a picture that may very well be a little person. And um, what happened was that uh, friends of, of mine who live like maybe two ridges over from where I live, live at the top of the, the ridge, and it's a narrow, single-lane gravel road to get up there. And they have a game camera by their one-lane road at the top of the mountain ridge. And some kind of a bird or something triggered the game cap. Uh, cam to go off, and off in the distance, there is this uh, little figure, and the couple debated among themselves whether they were going to share it with me, and 
the the man thought that it was the backside of a, a slightly crouched nude figure with dark hair, uh, and his uh, and the woman thought it might be a spirit or a ghost. Uh huh. When I look at this picture, it does. It was in August, so it was hot. It looks like a nude or almost nude figure from the back with long hair. And you can actually see like a, a, a band, uh, uh, like if somebody was carrying something with a strap across the shoulder. It's not a real clear picture. So I can understand why they didn't know if it was a spirit or something real. So what I did was I went and got um, the known um, ghost photos. And the one that I uh, actually posted on the website uh, is a ghost on uh, its hands and knees playing with a real live breathing child. So you can see the ghost and you can see the child. Now, if Uh something is alive, you can turn up the intensity and anything alive will go into the magenta range. A ghost will stay in, you know, white or clear or translucent. I did the same thing with the little person the little person went to magenta. So that told me it was something living and breathing and not just um, a spirit in the woods. But that, yeah, was from, that was 17 years after I started investigating this stuff. That's that's how difficult it is to get any kind of an image of a little person. Well, let's face it. They do blend into the scenery really, really well. Um now, these were wonderful and, friends because they went and measured it. They, the, the man went out to the tree where they saw the little person, and he kept hunkering down until uh, his wife could tell him that it, it was the same height as where the little person had been. And then he used a tape measure, and it turned out to be three foot three inches, which again falls into that category that uh, you know we, we think of with the little people. Yeah, I... Um you, you know I garden, well, did garden. I had huge gardens in, in Connecticut when I was there. And I would go out and I would talk to the little people. I swear that they were there and that they did help with the garden. Um, I would I would find... Um, I would find areas where I was pretty sure something had been done, but I hadn't done it. But I never saw anybody, but I truly, I, I believed that they were there to the point where I literally talked to them every day, you know, kind of like you need to do something with this plant because it's not doing whatever it should be and, you know, let's let's beef this one up or, you know, and, and I, would, I would sprinkle grain out. I would sprinkle um, offerings, so to speak. I never thought I was talking to spirits. I thought I was talking to physical entities, you know, um elementals maybe. I and I I would I'm wondering if maybe sometimes they have been mistaken as elementals as opposed to little people and that's maybe how some of the aspect of elementals um came into our vocabulary and into our mythology. That's very possible. Um I firmly believe they were there. Uh, you know, and you know, I'm fine with people thinking I'm crazy. I'm old enough now so that, you know, if they want you to can tell get me, away I'm with me it. a little Sure. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But um, um it 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 it's and I had a garden that was literally built on uh a gravel pit and yet in one year it looked like it had been established and it had been there for decades. Hmm. And it, 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 I wasn't, you know, I wasn't slamming um, miracle Grow on everything or anything like that. It was like, you know, I was out there in the middle of the night, you know, doing stuff. And I was, you know, you could you could say part of it was that my intention and the energy that I was putting into it was helping things grow and stuff like that. And that's probably partially the truth. But I truly believe that there were little people out there helping me too. So... I do believe they're still around. I do believe that they, they, you know, if if they were discovered to be a culture or a tribe or, or a species that, that we've been overlooking, and, and Lord knows humanity is very arrogant, and often if they've decided something doesn't exist, it doesn't exist even if they're looking at it. Um, you know, I, I think that, that 
it would destroy them. They would they would become um, a sideshow, and mm-hmm. they're they're smart and not becoming that because certainly certainly when when you see what we've done with indigenous people in lots of places, we've we've created sideshows out of them rather than um, allowing them their privacy to to do whatever is appropriate for them as a as a tribe or as a species or as a race. So um but it's exciting and, and I think that lots of times they're around small animals, they're around babies, they love baby anything and I, I probably because it's small. But um I think that, that they they are a lot more frequent visitors to our realm than than uh, other people think. I I don't think they're interdimensional. I think they're indigenous to the planet. Personally. Oh, I well, they may have originally originated from way out there. Uh, I know the uh, many of the Cherokee believe that they themselves originated from the Pleiades, and all their uh, stories of that origin are in stories that they refer to as the Seven Sisters, which equate with the Seven Stars of the Pleiades. So some of their, uh-huh. um, you know origination stories are hidden in in stories like that um and they believe they came they came from the stars so they believe the little people ultimately way back came from the stars too i find it fascinating that that there there has been um talk of them it's it's the 1800 period um from late 1700s to late 1800s that seems to be where um, there have been great discoveries of first giant bones and then the little people bones. And it, it seems to be in the 1800s, that's, I, I don't know if maybe that's when we were digging up the ground to the point where we did find all of this, or it, it's, it's a time frame where there was a plethora of discovery of giant bones or little people bones. And... and um, in, in mounds, in in huge grave sites where there obviously had been a war of some sort, so that so that there's a time frame where we were digging up the evidence of this, and yet it has not become a part of our our history or our culture. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'll I'll jump here. Uh, you love history, and so let me. I would never tell it in this kind of order, but I think you can follow it. Um, I was contacted by a man uh, who lives in uh, eastern Tennessee. It's the part of Tennessee that's actually north of North Carolina. And he said that he had little people living on his land. And he he didn't sound like a crackpot. He sounded very legitimate. And so I did go up there with Evelyn Gordon, who's also involved with this um, website, Uh and spent several hours with him. And he has like um, uh, 200 acres on bluff on high hills or bluffs overlooking a river and part of his land is like open pasture kind of land with these really quite large hills and the rest of it's all wooded and he said the little people live in the wooded part but um, uh, I kind of want to jump to something I stumbled on when I was following up things he had said he said that his family uh, had some Uchi Indian in them now, the Uchi Indians had pretty much had disappeared, and they were quite a unique um, tribe. They didn't fit the normal uh, North American Indian tribe. They could speak different languages. They were people who had uh, fair skin and light-colored eyes, and uh, they really looked more European than Indian, and that's why they pretty much had disappeared. But anyhow, he has the Uchi line in his family, and... So when I was doing research to follow up on his stories to see if there really was legitimacy to things he was telling me, I came across some research by a man named Richard Thornton, and he's one of the country's leading experts in southeastern Indians. And he wrote, um, well, he's got something called The uh, People of One Fire. I think that's a website he has. Um, He had just discovered and had just posted that Back in in B.C. time, like 2500 B.C., uh, Uh somewhere along in there, there was a massive flood in Ireland, western France, and western Spain, 
and the pe- many of the people um, fled the country because they didn't want to drown. Some of those people actually ended up on the uh, at the Savannah River Basin, and then from there they some of them went up the river and ended up in Tennessee. What is interesting is that this tribe of Indians, the Uchis, are so different than all the other tribes, and this man describes the little people on his land as looking European, not like the Cherokee little people. Uh, he even described their dress quite differently, uh, more like uh, uh, like the lederhosen the Germans would wear, or um, I always get cavalry and cavalry, uh, the two words mixed up. But the, the soldiers with the double-breasted blue shirts with uh-huh. the buttons, he said the, the men often wore those kind of shirts. And uh, I just found it interesting that they may very well have been the little people of Ireland that came with some of the regular people from Ireland who were fleeing the flood back in, it was 2250 B.C. It's just but something yeah, that's where that's, that's, that's the first thing that came to mind, that these can be the, the we people of the Irish that, um, you know, are, are traditionally spoken of in, in Irish history going way, 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 way back. Right so that, now, that can explain these. That can explain the ones that are on this man's land, but the description of them is totally different than the, uh, the Cherokee ones. So who knows? Yeah, and, and especially with the the ones that were found here in Tennessee, um, you know, I of course from the bones you can't really tell, but um, you kind of wonder, you know, why they didn't take DNA samples, why they didn't, you know, of course. In the 1800s, they didn't have that, but we. That was have... not an option. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I keep asking. <clears throat> no matter what, I get thrown up. Uh, no matter what anybody throws into my lap, it's like, why? What you know? You got to ask questions, and uh, I've only started to asking questions in the last probably 10 years or so. Usually, I would just accept history as history, but. I seem to be questioning everything these days, and it, it it it's something that you've done for decades. And and um, I think to myself often about you know the time I have wasted just accepting facts and not checking them out um, is frustrating. Well, you've got to jump on a whole lot of people already, so don't worry about it. You just <laughs> proceed proceed with your curiosity and see what you can learn. It, it it makes our world such a spectacular place to live in. I mean, when you think that 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 you can prove there were giants, you can prove there were little people, you can prove so much stuff that that you know a hundred years ago you couldn't, and it does change the dynamics of the possibilities and the potentialities that that exist today. It's exciting. And 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 you, I mean, the little people. I mean, I am fascinated by them. I would, I would love to, I would love to find a place where where there was a feeling that they they actually frequented. And um, not so sure I put out cameras as much as I would, you know, put out offerings. And and you know, it's what you did with with um, the gifts that you did with uh, with Bigfoot. Bigfoot. I'm, mm-hmm. You know the, the wonderful experience you had with with the fact that you know they would take a gift and then they would return it to you so you could give it to somebody else. I mean, what a fabulous thought! <laughs> I know. And um, Joan Ocean, who uh, is the dolphin expert in the world, um, she had encounters with Bigfoot here in this country when she was visiting because she lives in Hawaii all the time, and. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, one of the women that she knew there uh, made a moo-moo, you know, those kind of, I don't know, house dresses type things that were popular a bunch of years ago and made yeah. one for one of the uh, Bigfoot women. And there were other Bigfoot women, so she, you know, was. I may have this story mixed up a little bit, but it's like she was going to make more, and it was like, one, you know, just one, just one, that's enough. And uh, there's been other occasions where, you know, more is not needed. It's just 
just the basics. And, you know, we come from a culture where everybody wants more. Yeah. Um, you want another uh, story? I I think the other thing I wanted to mention, well, yes, but there is also, um, there are, there's a mystical clan of Hawaiian people known as supernatural stone workers and they are they are considered to be little people. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, and the I don't know if the name will come to me right away. It starts with a K. Um oh poo. I, I it won't come to me right now. Just the way it is. But yes, they uh they have a race of little people in Hawaii. And uh, there's a story that I'll never be able to tell because the family wants the privacy. But uh, ah. there is a. I got to meet a, a, a little person, and genetically, her mother was Cherokee and her father was Hawaiian. Uh, so all we could think of was, you know, perhaps a recessive gene uh, where there'd been a mingling with the little people, and it, mm-hmm. when the two came together, they um, had a child that was. Uh, like a little person, and the, they never would confess any of this to their pediatrician or the, to the doctor uh, because this person had um, seemed to do, did not have the immune system for our kind of germs, and mm-hmm. so she couldn't last very long in school. She'd have to learn from home. Um, there were other things that were kind of unusual, and if the doctor had been told a little bit about the genetics if he would be open to this it might have explained mm-hmm. some of the uh, the things um she yeah, couldn't they... stand bright lights and would always wear the sunglasses um, um and you, you, the early stories of the little people are uh being underground and uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the original uh, stories were that they were called the moon people by the Cherokee because they would only come out at night to uh, uh, farm their, gar- you know, collect uh, things from their garden uh, because uh-huh. the light bothered them. So the fact that she just didn't want to go anywhere without sunglasses made you wonder if that just kind of gave support to it also. Well, there, there, I, I can tell you the name of the little people in Hawaii was K A U A I, Kauai. No, I know that's not the way it said. Okay, well, I don't know how it's said, but it's K-A-U-A-I. K-A-U-A-I. Kahuni? I don't know. I don't either. They were also called We're Travelers. But, you know, there are there are legends and stories of little people in every culture. And... It's 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 a fascinating topic and and in Scotland too. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, a you know it's it's it, it's it's fun you know when you have children you you want to you want to give them the magic of 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 your your environment and um, I always used to tell my son about the little people and you know they they would be watching and if he didn't put his socks away that they'd steal the socks and stuff like that. Um you know, I made up stories but but yet the little people came to mind for a reason because I'd heard of the little people when I was growing up and we lived in Minnesota for a number of years and we were on a ridge that overlooked the Mississippi and it was just woods from our house down to the Mississippi. And, um, and 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 it was a long way, and I I know that that there were times when my mother would say to us, you know, the little people have been around. We've got to put out food for them, and the food was always gone. Now I didn't know if raccoons ate it, or if the, the cat ate it, or the dog ate it, or if the little people got it. But but the element of little people has been a real part of my life, you know, since I since ever I can remember. So. I do think, well, the stories I do around think, here with the feeding of the little people, there are still some today uh, among the Cherokee who will put food out for the little people. And I hear stories that if they forget to do it, that um, suddenly uh, pebbles will be thrown on their on their roof as if to remind them that they've been forgotten. 
So that fits in with your stories too. Yeah, no, it's it's really, um, I, you know, life is full of magic if you let it be there, and and I think this is, I I, I think they're real. I do do believe they're still around, and I think that they've done a great job of hiding so that we haven't corrupted them. Um, obviously, they don't have iPhones and stuff like that. So that so that they are one with nature, and and being one with nature means that nature really protects them in many ways. But I think it's it it was a good idea for you to bring this topic up because this is something that is still with us today. This is not a part of history. This is something that is still very much alive and well here in 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 our world today. And like Bigfoot. Um, it is. It's remained elusive, so that we can't corrupt it, and it. It really. It speaks to the magic of of the planet and and what life is. And I think that uh, stories of the little people and stories of Bigfoot, and especially, I have to. I have to um, endorse like heck your book on Bigfoot, and it's, it's beyond. Is it Bigfoot Beyond the Footprints? Is that the name of the book? That's yeah. That's correct. Um, one of the best books I ever read, it's a coffee table book so that you can read through it in one day if you really want to spend wonderful time with it and have Kleenex handy because you'll cry because some of the stories are so sweet and so beautiful. And it gives you another aspect of of Bigfoot and and it, I don't want to say humanizes Bigfoot, but it takes away the fear that so many people seem to be planting on Bigfoot or Yeti or or um, Sasquatch. I mean, you you have hit upon an aspect of this um, culture that that um, I don't want to say humanizes them because it it doesn't humanize. It humanizes. Them. No, it does, but only in the good sense. You know, right yeah. now we humans are acting really bad, uh, or too yeah. many of us are. And so it's almost an insult to say you're acting like a human. But if you think about the humanity of hum- of humans and being kind and taking care of each other and uh, that type of aspect, then it applies. Um, and that book does reveal that type of humanity in the Bigfoot. Well, I, I truly believe that um, historically speaking, Everything seems to be traced back to the last ice age, and I would think that maybe the little people in Bigfoot came from before the last ice age, possibly a time when culture was kinder and gentler and there was not the aspect of war and, and power struggles where where we were one with nature and one with one with each other. And in those in those kind of times, if that kind of society ever existed, I would think that we lived in harmony, and it feels to me as though Bigfoot and the little people are still harmonious within themselves. And, and certainly, when you read your book on Bigfoot and how they they help soldiers, they they help to heal people. They they had far more genuine, giving, loving, kinding spirit than a lot of humans at the time, and. You know, I, I, if I were a Bigfoot, I wouldn't want to be, you know, a member of society. But when you think about how they they try to chase people away, they throw rocks and they throw sticks. They don't have guns and they don't hurt people and they don't attack people. And if they do attack, they throw rocks for Pete's sakes. I mean, it's nothing to be afraid the of. Only, the only stories that you hear where they've gotten violent is where somebody shot at them. You know, they don't much care for that, and I don't think that we would either. No, uh, but still there was, there's not, you know, they, they haven't ripped people, you know, limb from limb or anything like that. There's no reports of that. So why people are, are out to try to capture one or, um, you know, uh, kill one, and, and, and one of the cool things in your book was that, that – um, from some of the fur, they were able to to um, detect the DNA and, right. and tell the people what the DNA was. Um, that was the research of Dr. Melba Ketchum. She took a lot of grief when she first did that. 
uh, was ostracized by the academic community or scientific community. Since then, there have been people with, you know, medical-type uh, credentials or scientific credentials who have um, said that, yes, she was right. And based on the DNA, uh, they she found, and the other ones did too, that the maternal side of the Bigfoot is human and the paternal side or the daddy side um, is some unknown primate and they can't match it up with anything else. Um, that is more difficult to find because, like, if you take uh, DNA, uh, take the hair from a Bigfoot and you send it off to have it analyzed, if it doesn't have the root connected to it, they won't be able to get the paternal DNA because that's only in the nuclear part of, of the cell. And um, uh-huh. so, anyhow, it's it's half human, so I sometimes refer to them as our distant cousins. <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, the, the society as a whole has to be re-educated, hopefully, um, into a kinder, gentler time. And certainly it's not it's not current, but I have great hopes for society. I truly do. And but but your book on Bigfoot, probably the best. I mean, I, I've given it as gifts because it's such a beautiful, beautiful book and story. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Well, it it, it is, and your website. Uh, I just noticed the time. <laughs> your oh. website is uh, is Skyships Over Cashiers. It is a fabulous website. It 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 has articles on just about every topic known to man and then some you're even you've even become cosmic because you're looking into mars and the moon and all sorts of things so um you do go um ufos to unicorns and everything in between on the website and the material there is just so fascinating and so well documented that um it's a pleasure to read through it and and the archives you can get lost in your archives for pete's sakes you have decades of archives there. Sometimes I have trouble relocating something I've written. I know it's there and I don't remember what year it was or where it was or so I spend a lot of time digging myself trying to bring something back up. Um I want to end well, real quickly with a cute story of sure. the man in Tennessee. Let's see if I can tell it fast. Um he had uh, uh men working to put up fences around his uh, uh pasture land and um, one day they just ran off and they never came back. He thought something was really, really wrong. And uh, they clearly were from another country. If I had to guess, I would guess they were probably Mexican. I do not know. Uh, but they had language limitations. And they had heard singing in the fog. And he had talked about how the uh, when it's foggy, the little people will go up to the top of one of those hills. And it's a big hill. I took. I went with him in the truck to get up there, so it wasn't like an easy climb. And there was still a ring where you could see where they would do their ring dance up at the top of this hill. And these guys were freaked out because, um, you know, they heard the singing from the fog. When they asked him, they were afraid he was a wizard, and they started to ask him some questions when, they, when he ran into them in town. And uh, that just scared them all the more. So... Uh, <laughs> He wasn't. He wasn't the only one that uh, heard the little people singing. And when we were up there, it's not real clear, but you can see a little footprint beneath the big tree up there. Again, you know, it was kind of dry. And if it's dry and they're little people, they don't leave much of a of an impression. But um, you know, I got to see the path to the uh, entrance to the where they go underground. Uh, uh, he tells about. Uh, uh, the teenagers are the ones that cause the most mischief. They'll get up in the tree and then swing down so they're looking right in your face. Uh, they do that <laughs> with him. I don't think they would do that with most people. But um, Oh, how cool. Uh, how very cool. So we'll end with that, that is one. exciting. Well, yeah, and thank you so much for being here again and, and sharing your information and your website and your work with us. Um, always, always, always a joy to talk to you. and. Thank you so much for being here today. Okay. You have a nice rest of the day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye now. And thank you, everybody, for being here. Please um, visit us on uh, YouTube and on Rumble. And if you like what you see and like what you hear, 
please subscribe because that's how we know you're out there and that's how we know that we're giving you cool things to to think about, to touch into, and to investigate. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.